0: I, it's funny because at the time I had, it it took me a long time when I first heard the ninth wave to really connect the dots. It was like, I, and maybe, I think in retrospect, it's easy to see that like, okay, this is someone in distress. But again, like I said, at the time, I didn't really know where it was going and I don't even know, like I never got a sense of distress. Like somebody was in a precarious, you know, situation, until um, I started reading Kate's um, interviews and saying that's what it was about, because you can also listen to it as just a dream—the whole thing is a dream that somebody's in bed and they're just dreaming about having a nightmare, and then it gets better and they wake up.
1: Let's see. Um, things, other things I really love about this piece—it's like a a sound in the way she's kind of setting up the whole song cycle that's about to come. Because the, the piano is the basis, but then you hear these little cinematic things that, that pop up every now and
2: then.
3: Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and this week we are flipping over the Hounds of Love record, and we're starting the first track of the Ninth Wave Suite and Dream of Sheep. Welcome, everybody, to the first track of the ninth wave portion of the Hounds of Love season. We're going to get to hear from two fans for talking about this song. The first fan we're going to get to hear mostly from is Keith DeWeese, who's been on the show before. And then we'll get some musical insight from Paul Tate, who's also been on the show. But first, here's Keith.
0: This song, you know, it's so deceptively simple. And... You know, it's it's one of those songs that's just like, oh, la, 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 it's a little lullaby, but it's so deep, you know? <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I, one of the things that has always struck me about it is especially, you know, and it's easy now to go back and we've talked about this before, being a very long-time Cape Bush fan before there was the advent of the internet. You know, you would rarely in this country especially get the interviews get all the, the talk on kate bush that people would get in europe but there are certain things that stand out and of course with hounds of love there was more coverage of her in the u.s than like had ever been before all of them, you know there was quite a bit with the dreaming i remember because it was so like out there and the critics over here loved the dreaming Compared to in in the UK, where they didn't like it at all, and you know, so there was that little bit of groundswell of interest more in Kate Bush, but then with Hounds of Love, you've got you know major attention, and I always remember um, just suddenly reading so many new things, things I didn't know, and especially like about her family and her family's influence on her music, and um, what I thought was interesting right off the get go with hounds of love was how you went from this song about mother stands for comfort and which is very dark and very and dark in a different way than the ninth wave is dark and certain songs on the, the ninth wave but then you go into this song this lullaby and it's got her mother in it and comforting her and so that's my first thought on this. And you know, at first, it's very deceiving because you know that upon that first listen of the ninth wave and this comes in, you really don't know where you're going. You know, you're in uncharted water. You know, excuse the pun. And you start there with this dreamy, um, very chill kind of song, and you know, there's some kind of. There's something wrong. You can pick up that pretty quickly in the song, but it's it's very short. It's a relatively short song. Mm-hmm. It's got these touches and this use of words that, I mean, what she evokes is just so, I know it's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking at points for me. In fact, I listened to it this morning a little bit. Or I, I listened to the original song, the, the album version this morning. And there's one part that just starts moving me to tears. It's kind of like, and it, again, it's so much about this mother connection, you know, and it's interesting to me again, how she starts out the ninth wave with this, um, well, her mother is in there on the original saying, you know, come here to me now. And, you know, there's just this kind of situation, that's whole sleeping um, you know, that we so can take back to all of our mothers and you know, just being comforted at night. And again, I'm sorry, I don't mean when I was talking about mother stands for comfort, I just thought that was an like she ends that side with that song, which again not a lot to do with this, but that concept mm. of mother stands for comfort. And then you have this song that starts out the ninth wave with this quite pronounced mother um and nursery let's put let's say that like the nursery we're in the nursery or we're in the child's bedroom and there are a number of things in the song that really um and especially back then i remember because i don't know now if you'd say i wish i had my radio Mm. (laughs) because we don't use wish i had my
3: iphone
0: yeah there you go (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank totally Yeah, but back then with the transistor radio, that was such a big deal. That was such Mm -hmm. a big thing for a couple decades there and certainly at this time. Um, And I think, too, there's that... um, Again, she's waking up. I get that impression. Okay, now, whatever disaster has happened, she's been thrown off the ship, the ship's tipped over, whatever. However she got into the water, she's now waking. And... There's, of course, that desire to be pulled, to go back to sleep. And as she said many times you know, in interviews, you can't go back to sleep. You'll drown. And mm-hmm. you know, if you do that, you'll slip into this, um, into a, a drowning state. And I, I think um, what I find interesting about the sheep is that it's kind of like it works in two ways. It's like you use counting sheep, that old thing that maybe your mom taught you to do um, to go to sleep and just imagine those woolly sheep jumping over a fence and you know eventually you'll go to sleep and that's what she so wants she so wants that but I think there is a certain like when you like if you go back like a long time ago sheep were so important to people especially like in you know um, the UK in the with wool and you know just you like making your life you had to have sheep and you had to have their warmth of their their uh, their wool and you also had to keep track of them you know you had to keep sheep were something that if you were a sheep farmer or whatever however you made your living in agrarian days in Britain sheep were so important and you couldn't just let one go. You had to be the shepherd and holding them. And I think okay. of that too, like trying to maintain control at the same time. Like sheep is kind of like, I've got to keep my sheep all together. Or I'm going to drown. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I let one loose, then I roll over, or yeah, I've, I've lost or something. And I think of that. Um, so I think that the sheep, sheep is a metaphor there. It just works on so many, in so many ways. Um, but again, it, you know, what I find, like, of course, with so many of Kate's songs, there's just so much depth and, um, you know, the idea of, well, when she says my favorite line in the song, and I realize at this point, it's always been my favorite line. And it goes back to that one. I can't keep my eyes open. I wish I had my radio. And it's interesting how she says it. It's how she delivers that line, which is so often the case with Kate it's like she can take the most commonplace everyday like phrase and it's just the way she says it the way she sings it and she kind of what I noticed in the, the difference between the album and then the later the live mm-hmm. uh, is she really there's this precision in this staccato uh, way that she says it I can't keep my eyes open mm-hmm. like that it's very Da, 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 da. it's just so it just grabs me and there's something though in the live she doesn't quite do it that way it's a little bit of a like a slurred sort of Legato. You know. yes yes thank you yeah. and, and um very different So I think, you know, with um, in Dream of Sheep, it's again, it's funny because at the time I had it, it took me a long time when I first heard the ninth wave to really connect the dots. It was like I and maybe I think in retrospect, it's easy to see that like okay this is someone in distress but again like I said at the time I didn't really know where it was going and I don't even know like I never got a sense of distress like somebody was in a precarious you know situation until um, I started reading Kate's um, interviews and saying that's what it was about because you can also listen to it as just a dream Mm -hmm. the whole thing is a dream that somebody's in bed and they're just dreaming about having a nightmare. And then it gets better and they wake up um, without fixing her in the water, um, in reality and physically. Um, so um, I, I definitely did that. And I really felt like, OK, well, obviously, this is just a dream because she's she wants to dream of sheep and so on. And I think it's interesting about dreaming of sheep as opposed to using them as a device to go to sleep Mm -hmm. Uh, counting counting them but wanting to dream about them actually and um you know she kind of again she mixes things i kind of (laughs) i was just in new york with friends as i said and there's all these like boutique cocktails that surround you in different places. And they're always muddling things, you know, like got got to muddle these herbs and put it in with vodka and stuff like that. Okay. So I, I, you know, I I was around all these cocktails, these boutique cocktails where they were muddling ingredients all the time and herbs. And there was even one place that took sweet sugar peas and smashed them up and put them with bitter pear. And, you know, and I sometimes think Kate is, I use this word, you know, I don't mean it in a negative way or pejorative way, but muddle. I love how she muddles things, mm-hmm. and she was matching up concepts so early. And sometimes I, always, I wondered, like, did she, quite you know what she was doing, or does she just that emotional aspect that you know she always talks about, just taking it out of her inner being as art and putting it forward. There was no thinking about it, and this is one where it's that kind of that. Muddling that I love that she does, and where she takes a concept, um, this counting of sheep, and she mixes it with dreaming about them. And you're not quite sure which direction she wants to go. And that's the definite, that's what I think is so great about her. And where you're really left thinking, aha, you know, that's you just take from it what you can, and she gives you something to think about the rest of your life you know you can always go back to Cape bush and get something different from it so um oh one of the other things too that i was thinking i'm going back to the mother concept in this and having one's mother close by in the original song you know she has the voice of her mother comes in at one point and there are a couple of interviews that where she talks about her mother and i don't know if you've read the interview or you know about the one where she talks about how when she was a child and she couldn't sleep, Kate couldn't sleep, she'd go. And this just seems so Kate Bush-like.
3: Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've actually got that quote right here.
0: You read it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah, this
3: is actually from the, uh, this is from the Kate Bush Club newsletter, issue 21, 1987. An engineer we were working with picked out the line in In Dream of Sheep that says, come here with me now. I asked him why he liked it so much. He said, I don't know. I just love it. It's so moving and comforting. I don't think he even knew what was being said exactly, but the song is about someone going to sleep in the water where they're alone and frightened, and they want to go to sleep to get away from the situation. But at the same time, it's dangerous to go to sleep in water. You could drown. When I was little and I'd had a bad dream, I'd go into my parents' bedroom, round to my mother's side of the bed. She'd be asleep, and I wouldn't want to wake her, so I'd stand there and wait for her to sense my presence and wake up. She always did within minutes and sometimes I'd frighten her standing there still in the darkness in my nightdress. I'd say I've had a bad dream and she'd lift bedclothes and say something like come here with me now. It's my mother saying this line in the track and I briefed her on the ideas behind it before she said it. And I think it's the most mother. I think it's the motherly comfort that this engineer picked up on. In fact, he said this was his favorite part of the album.
0: Yeah, that's, that's says it all for me, right? (laughs) It's just like, and it's interesting because there's that Kate and her mother in that situation. There's another situation. I hope I get it right. I don't know if it's, if you've got it there um, where Kate's mother had fainted one day oh, and had an yeah. out of body experience. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's kind of like a reverse where the, her mother, Hannah was um, having a a spell of some sort. And when Kate came in, to the room and saw her mother on the floor or not on the bed. I'm sorry. Her mother had fainted, but then her father put her on the bed, if I recall and was administering to her. And then as soon as Hannah, Had heard kate she immediately came back into her body and said something to the effect when she woke up that she was really floating around up on the ceiling and i tied that into the song too there's this kind of that mother-daughter special relationship that she had with hannah Mm and they're different um and because too she kicks it off with this very strong you know there's this mother influence and then she starts having these out-of-body experiences herself and the rest of the suite and i i don't know again i find so often it's hard for me to listen to some of these songs in fact this morning when i was uh listening to the album version i hadn't heard it in years i really hadn't gone back to it in a long time i've been listening to the live version mm-hmm. most. but that line again about uh, i can't keep my eyes open just started my eyes started welling up and i have the same thing i i really cannot listen to a coral room which again it's that sea mm-hmm. and the mother and again you know we've got i i just realized you know, we, we could really plumb the depths here of uh mythopoeic criticism mm-hmm. when we start talking about water and the mother figure Yeah. far down But Kate and her mother, and when she introduces her mother into a song, and it usually is with a lilting um, kind of, in in choral room, you've got all the water imagery again, and then you've got the little brown jug, my mother and her little brown jug. And it's always these incredibly deep, plaintive kind of uh, way or... um, lines or the way she delivers them that are just and Coral room again is one i can't listen to and I going back to that engineer who was saying that about that line it's just like oh my gosh this just sums up and i guess in my own way my experience with my mother too um and missing her and so on and so forth but um yeah it's just it's one of those songs again that's has a lightness it's that that lullaby quality i'm interested in your um take as a musician as a composer and artist like what your um take on it is musically like as a as a construct and cause i just say lullaby or something but um, i don't know if that's quite right
3: well it does have like a, a- like pretty flowing sort of feel to it. I mean, musically, I actually a couple of years ago tried to teach myself how to play this song because I found, um, I found online a fan who had made sheet music for this song. Oh. And I don't remember who it was I downloaded it from. I don't even know if I still have it. If I do, it's maybe somewhere on my old hard drive or something. But I do remember like teaching myself how to play this. And because it's it's not as complex musically, I think, as some of her other work, not just because it's like girl and piano, basically, with a couple of their instruments. I mean, there's she's playing piano and singing. There's a uh, there's some whistles. In fact, there's oh, there's a really cool quote about the um, the the penny whistle at the end. That the um, guy playing the penny whistle, uh, John Sheehan, I hope I pronounced his name right, um, that she made him play one note for three hours because she was looking for the right bend in the note at the very end. <laughs> and I'm assuming it's this part here, or play this part, where it's, and their breath is warm and there's like a kind of thing that comes in. Oh, their breath is warm. She made him play that note for three hours because she was looking for the right bend in the note. Kate Bush. Uh, and then there's a, a bazooki, uh, Donald Lunny, who I know, Looney, Lunny, who's been on some of her songs before. And I think that's the stringed instrument that's playing. Mm-hmm. Occasionally it sounds like a guitar, but it, you know, it's, Kate, it's not going to be standard guitar. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, it's not as complex musically as... Her other work, it's it's in it's in a nice key. It's C sharp minor, with occasionally like for um, and I tune into some friendly voices. It shifts to the major equivalent of C sharp minor, which is E major. It's where C sharp minor has the same sharps as E major. It's just like like the tonic. It's instead C sharp minor, so it it sounds a little bit sadder versus E major, where it sounds a little bit brighter. A lot of hymns mm-hmm. are actually in E major. Maybe because mm-hmm. it just, it sounds so bright with all those four sharps in it. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
3: But now from a musical standpoint, it's not as complex as her other work, but it's still really neat to listen to. Like she's got some nice piano in there. It's not just block chords all the time. The admittedly, like her, her piano playing is not as complex as, I'm going to say the name Tori. Like they sure, both play yeah. piano but Tori like comes up with like all this stuff you're just like, oh my God, where'd that come from because she studied music and all that fun stuff yeah. and Kate is self-taught like we know that she's self-taught for the most part but she still can come up with like some pretty flowing things mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. oh especially the beginning part with the with the, the way she plays the piano and it goes all high like for little light. Little light shiny
2: light guide them to me my face is all alone
0: my face is all alone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yes yes exactly yeah yeah uh, okay and thank you because despite having studied piano most of my life i am so uh uh Theoretically, <laughs> when it comes to theory and everything, and knowing what I was actually doing, I'm such a washout.
3: <laughs> <laughs> actually, you can see the sheet music. Um, because I try to remember there, there actually is official sheet music for this song on uh, musicnotes.com, which I've used to get sheet music before. And you can actually like see all four pages of the music. It's it's kind of repetitive with the chord structure, it's not. But it's not that way with the melody, if that makes any sense.
0: You know, I remember that a bit because I remember I bought back in the day when they published the music to Hounds of Love. And I was always one of those people. I'd run out and buy it. But the way I play piano terribly, and like I said, even though I studied it, I just couldn't get it. You know, it's just like, okay, I'm not... You know, <laughs> there was just something missing when I played it. And I think also, now that I think about it too, it's always frustrated me because when they would publish her music back in the day, I need to have both treble and bass spelled out for me to play a song. And they would only ever have, I think, a treble. Yeah, it was only um, the melody yeah,
3: lines. Yeah, the
0: melody, and you'd have to put in your own the, – then they'd give you the chords, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I, I can't – I have to see those notes. I can't just – you can't just tell me what it is. I, it's embarrassing, and I shouldn't go on about it.
3: <laughs> no, but <laughs> – yeah, That's, see, that's, that's I the,
0: appreciate,
3: So that's the way you know? I usually play. Like, if I want to play a song, learn to play a song, I look up the guitar chords – because I can see it with like the 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 lyrics and then having the chords above them and I know enough to just like do my own thing with it, but I can see where mm-hmm. that would be that doesn't work for everybody.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and thank you. And I'm glad you put it in the way you did, like going from that writer to that minor. Because that's exactly what I was trying to get at. There's something and I couldn't describe it the way you do. You
3: And now we're gonna get to hear from Paul Tate. You might remember that Paul Tate was last on the show for talking about the Hounds of Love title track episode, and I've been using some of his piano improvs sprinkled throughout some of the songs from the first side. And now we're gonna get to hear from Paul again for speaking about And Dream of Sheep. I was especially excited to talk about a ninth wave song with him because as mentioned in the title track episode, he did a whole paper all about the ninth wave. And now here's what Paul had to say about this song and what makes it unique. Good morning from Virginia to Georgia. (laughs) How are you
1: this morning?
3: I'm pretty good. Are you, hopefully you're feeling better from your cold.
1: Well, I'm still under the weather and I I apologize for the sound of my voice, but hopefully it'll still be okay.
3: Actually, you're sounding great. Good. Good so let's see in dream of sheep you said you had some thoughts on this especially with the music and i'm excited to talk about the music part with you as always because i love the music on this song
1: yes let's do it i'm at the piano so um uh, the first thing i first of all i'm so glad that on this track the piano is truly the centerpiece it's Mm -hmm. kind of like going back to early kate stuff um where it's all built around the sound of her voice and and the piano. We are in the key of C-sharp minor to begin, four sharp. and the structure of the song is that it's um, basically two verses with an extended coda, and each of the verses start in C-sharp minor but make their way to the key of E major, which is the uh, the relative major. Um, Let's see. She starts with this beautiful, almost trumpet-like... Melody that's based on this sin. and since this is a woman who, the story of a woman who's lost at sea, it's almost like she's um, trumpeting this melody to to keep herself
2: awake, and that's
1: how the, the song begins. And then slowly, as it unravels, the melody gets simpler and simpler, perhaps as she starts to lose her energy and her focus. Um, so pretty cleverly put together melodically. I always like to look at the range that Kate sings in. And uh, what's funny about this one is that ironically she sings the range of a ninth, this being the beginning of the ninth wave. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure it was just a happy coincidence, but she sings from the B below middle C up to the C sharp uh, above middle C for the second C. Let's see. Um, things, Other things I really love about this piece, it's like a a soundscape, in the way she's kind of setting up the whole song cycle that's about to come, because the the piano is the basis, but then you hear these little cinematic things that that pop up every now and then.
2: Mm-hmm. For example,
1: things um, the bit about mistaking the the seagulls for rescue operations. You hear the bird, the sound of birds, and then uh, when she sings about you'll hear some men talking kind of ran- random random men almost space talking in the background and that's a foreshadowing of hell- hello earth from later in the cycle mm-hmm. very cool, very cool stuff and then apparently that that voice we hear that a woman saying come here with me now is Kate's own mother I read yep. that online that's that's pretty cool then other other little musical notes. The, uh, you'll also hear the sound of a bazooki, which is a lovely acoustic instrument, and and some whistles that Kate apparently did some overdubs in Dublin after the project was done. And they're just sprinkled throughout. You really have to listen for the bazooki because it, it's very light, and it just sneaks in here and there like a little sprinkling of, of sugar to make it extra pretty. And then the whistles are so great at the end. Um Have you noticed those before when she's talking about the sheep and it it just sounds like these whistles are, are almost calling the sheep.
3: Oh, I hadn't even thought of that, but I did notice the, um, the sound of that whistle at the end, which is a uh, penny whistle, I believe.
1: Very haunting. I think it's um, probably overdubbed and played by John himself. Um, And they they move in these beautiful Mm -hmm. thirds and seconds, and they have these little crunchies that um, really tend to make them unique sounding. And uh, as Kate's voice gets lower and lower and the track gets slower and slower, the whistles are kind of lulling her to sleep, which is probably the last place this woman wants to go. And yet it's inevitable because that's, that's where we're headed for
2: the cycle. They smell like sweet and they say they take.
3: it's almost got what I think is interesting about the music in this is it's kind of like a uh, it almost sounds like a lullaby
1: it does it's kind of like a lullaby uh, and also an anti-lullaby because she wants to stay awake and I think Kate chose the, the chord progression for the back half of each verse to to paint almost it's like this typical stock progression She puts over what we call a pedal tone. It has an E pedal
2: tone. So the E is in the bass of every chord. And that kind of flowing is like, oh, I'm gonna
4: go
1: to sleep um, and I think that's how she she creates that sound. And then she pokes fun even in the saying, um, I would tune into some friendly voices talking about stupid things, you know, like the songs we hear on the radio.
2: Um, mm-hmm. and
1: then that that stock progression. I also like her use of the, um, the added six to the chord, like after she goes, let me be weak. There's our five chords, and then when she resolves it, to get this sound. And it's got that added six. It's kind of, in America, we associate with that, that music with the sound of songs written just after the turn of the century. They have that glassy, um, relaxing kind of a sound. So it's pretty clever of her to do that on the word um, at the end of that 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 line. Also, uh, the way she extends the melody at the end, mm-hmm. essentially the same phrase over and over again, again over the pelican. She extends it downward as if she's falling down or, or going to sleep runs out of energy uh, when she says like poppy we get that added six again and then she changes the pedal tone to C sharp which is cool because it's number one like the beginning of the song but number two it's the the minor so it makes us have that emotional pull and then when it finally does end there's no chord The sound of the whistle and her voice falling down to her lowest note, down to Mm
3: -hmm. the
1: beat, taking her deeper and deeper. Very brilliant, Kate.
3: I know. She just she paints this really cool images with 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 these the way she moves her chords around. It's just oh my god, it's so beautiful.
1: Very very beautiful. I think my favorite moment in the song is uh it's in the second verse when it says i'll wake up to any sound of engine and this huge rush because it's such a simple piano piece and all of a sudden there's this sharp minor crash um and your subwoofer rumbles and um it's brilliant and it's a wonderful foreshadowing of what's to come with waking the witch and, and all and the jig of life all the exciting stuff that's in the song cycle
2: mm-hmm. While we come to any sound of angels
3: favorite part is um, toward the very end I mean there are a lot of little parts I love in this song but I like the way when she sings and their breath is warm and you hear the the, the whistle coming in underneath her
1: yes that's the first time we hear it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: and that that part's really haunting and, and I also like it when the bazookie is I'm assuming that's a bazookie where it sounds like it's a guitar right before she sings that part but it isn't.
1: That's correct. That's okay. I mean,
3: yeah. Cuz I always thought it was a guitar and then oh wait, of course it's not going to be standard guitar. Why would that be? It's k Push.
2: Let me sleep and dream Um <laughs>
3: But I I really like those little touches. And I like the beginning with the little light shining. I like how she makes her voice go up there. And it's, I don't know, when I first listened to this song, I remember really connecting with this in college because that's when I first kind of got into Hounds of Love. And even though it is supposed to be about somebody like trying to keep themselves awake and trying not to die, for some reason, I associate this song with walking between some of my night classes in college, and I would listen to this, and it just felt so soothing to me, and so when I hear this song, I'm thinking back to, like, like me trying to calm myself from the turmoil of college life a little bit.
1: Yeah, I can see that. It's I think it's so beautiful because it is so simple, and that she left all this space for for things to breathe and that way when you hear the bazooki come in it's like oh what what was that because it disappears just as quickly as it's there um or when you hear the 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 little sprinkle of men's voices or the little seagulls it's all the the things that it, it's helping to paint her story and yet she doesn't make a big deal or belabor any of them they just they appear they go away and then the focus once again is on that gorgeous melody and and beautiful vocal that she, she did for this song. I I understand that when she redid it for before the dawn, she pitched it down, I guess, a little bit to make it easier for her to sing. Yep. Um, But I would have loved to have seen that because I I heard she filmed the whole thing in a tank of water or something amazing.
3: Yeah. She actually filmed herself um, in a tank of water singing this live but the the video they showed during the show, or what the performance of this song was, the video that they did months before.
1: And that's that's a really cool way to kick off that part of the concert. I so wish I could have been there. Um, I would say one more thing just about um, the covers, because since we're both fans of Tori Amos, she apparently sang mm-hmm. this on a couple of and did a beautiful job. I saw uh, at least one of them on the YouTube. And Tori um, did a very faithful, beautiful job in her performance of this one.
3: Yeah, hers, um, it was actually, sounded like it was pitched up half a step.
1: Ah, I didn't check the key. That wouldn't surprise me. Tori um, is probably a slightly higher voice than Kate.
3: I think Um, she does. um, I mean, she's, but, These days, she sings a little bit lower just because of age and women's voices, but I think it is a little bit higher than Kate's version, but I, I know which version you mean. I think it's really pretty. I know some people are kind of, blah, about it, but I think it's pretty, and it's, it shows that she admires the song, and I like that.
1: I think that the part, one of the things I like most about Tori's cover is that she didn't mess with it a whole lot, because sometimes she, um, she goes off the deep end with that, but not with this one. It was notes very, very close to Kate's melody, and Kate's rhythm, and chord progressions, and um, I think I remember her even using two keyboards on it. If I'm remembering correctly, she does that thing where she starts on one, and pivots her body around to another. Very cool. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Very much. I watched her do that in concert, because I've seen her... I've seen her four times and uh, twice with the band and twice solo. And both times she'll go be she'll straddle the, the two keyboards, which is always really cool to watch. Oh, my goodness. This is in honor of all the ladies here tonight and the great lady who wrote this song, who we all love very much.
1: I hit all the highlights here I hope we can talk again soon yes. about the um, the other the other ones from the ninth wave
3: alright well I hope you have a good rest of the day and I hope you feel better and thank you so much for, for being on the show
1: <laughs> um, absolutely well, we'll talk again soon
3: indeed alright have a good day
1: uh, okay, bye bye
2: The continuous flow of music on a compact disc masks the fact that Hounds of Love and The Ninth Wave were conceived as two quite separate sides to the album.
4: Yes, they were. I started off writing, um, I think, Running Up That Hill, Hounds of Love, and then I think probably uh, Dream of Sheep. And once I wrote that, that was it. That was the beginning of what then became the concept. And really, for me, from the beginning, The Ninth Wave was a film. That's how I thought of it. It's the idea of of this person being in the water. How they've got there, we don't know, but the idea is that they've been on a ship... ...and they've been washed over the side, so they're alone in this water. Now, I find that horrific imagery, the thought of being completely alone in all this water. And uh, they've got a life jacket on with a little light... ...so that if anyone should be travelling at night, they'll see the light and know they're there. And they're absolutely terrified, and they're completely alone at the mercy of their imagination. Which, again, I personally find such a terrifying thing. The power of one's own imagination being let loose on something like that. And the idea that they've got it in their head that they mustn't fall asleep. Because um, if you fall asleep when you're in the water, I've heard that you roll over, and so you drown. So they're trying to keep themselves awake. So...
0: But yeah, in terms of if I if, if pressed to pick my all time favorite lullabies, my top five, <laughs> I definitely put this in there and describe it more, though, as well, it's more than just a lullaby. It's not meant to take you to sleep or to put you to sleep as a child, but it's it's um, certainly, you know, got that dark edge that i don't think we would normally (laughs) well i I take that back when we put a baby in a the bow and put it up in a tree and the wind blows and knocks it out um i think we are a lot of those lullabies are
3: pretty uh pretty dark actually i mean all the pretty horses oh my goodness
0: (laughs) now that you mention it what am i talking about (laughs) 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 it's perfectly in keeping um and it, one thing I want—I kind of referenced it before, but maybe this will be my closing remark—is I just the the poppies, the end of the song, and you you brought it up with the, the penny whistle too. And I get the, the three hours of doing a penny whistle to get just the right um, swoop or uh, bend bend um, is I totally. Can see that with her. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah. I go back to that. And I guess to me too, like if I had to do, if I did a fan video of this song, I would definitely have that shot of Dorothy Gale in the Wizard of Oz MGM lying in the field of poppies with the snow coming down on her, somewhere in my fan video. That's that's an image that with her eyes closed or her eyes closing, because I think it's just so appropriate here. And I've always had that image in my, when I've listened to that original song, um, in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I love the use of, you know, and of course Kate has these different references to maybe drugs at different point or, um, and again, the poppy with it's, you know, it's, it's, of course very real, um, use uh, or components of um you know the opium and the reference to opium but just being such a lovely flower and being such a a flower that is so pregnant with meaning going back to wars and um i just find it's a very it's a fascinating and lovely um way to end the song is to bring in that that flower Mm -hmm. people to sleep and you, for, for all of us I think a lot of us kids growing up when we would watch The Wizard of Oz we'd say why are poppies putting Dorothy to sleep mm-hmm. you know, never explained but um, to a certain generation it would have been you know just obvious and yeah. to Kate it's very obvious and it was just perfect there so um, well,
3: poppies are yeah. actually one of my favorite flowers because I love how bright they mm-hmm. are yes but I do understand that there's a lot of I know there's a lot of symbolism with it. I mean, like with yeah, yeah. there's opium, and of course, um, people wearing wearing poppies in honor of uh, World War One in Europe. Yeah,
0: because mm-hmm. it's associated. Exactly. You know, in
3: Flanders fields, the poppies grow. Right,
0: right, exactly. That's that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's very it's one of those things too where Kate can take something. Just so bright. I never get the, and and this kind of ties in here a little bit, like I never get the impression that Kate's an intellectual. Like never, but she's so intelligent and she's so timeless. And she's Mm so, she knows her poetic conceit. So maybe that was growing up with her brothers and in the house, this very, you know, this house where literature and music and all these things are so appreciated. And film, Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised there if you know maybe one day she writes about this song and says, "Oh yeah, I remember that scene in The Wizard of Oz where Dorothy goes to sleep and the poppies. You know, I've never read that. I don't know if she's ever said anything along those lines, but again, it's kind of what I latch on to. and wouldn't be surprised with her her interest in film and classic films that that might have had something there, but definitely poetry, mm-hmm. the poetic. Copies and poetry and so on she would just know that um, i think it's just so interesting i that's the thing kate's a person to me who just knows these things because she just grew up around yeah them. it's that she had to study them or you know went off and got a literature degree like i did <laughs> to, to have yeah. to understand <laughs> you know had to have somebody teach them to me um, but uh yeah it's just a very heartfelt and i think that says it the heartfelt and it's just there it's it's coming out of her heart mm-hmm. at the end uh,
3: um i mean yeah, yeah her be- po- her sense of poetic her sense of poetry is i think beautiful in this song especially yeah, yeah, the way it yeah. begins little light shining little light will guide mm-hmm. them to me makes me think mm-hmm. of the life jacket and you, usually a lot of those life jackets have like a as soon as you hit the water that they, it mm-hmm. activates the light so that it activates a little light so that other ships and airplanes can find you.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. And, you know, that was an, in- thank you for bringing that up because back when I first heard this song, I actually thought. When I heard it, because I didn't know about that. I didn't know there were these lights on life jackets. I knew what life jackets were. I'd worn them, but they never had lights. Yeah. On them. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the lakes that I mm-hmm. was swimming in or anything. And I thought it was like little light, little light. Like from her perspective, if a light was shining down on her, maybe a searchlight. That's what I thought too. Look, yeah. It would look little. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that was where, and then to find like, oh, it's a light on a life jacket. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Fill in that little, little like, hole. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rearrange my thinking. Uh, it's becoming clearer now. But no, it is. It's such a poetic. Um, there are so many lovely. Little poetic lovely, things, cool, yeah. You
3: know,
0: I mean, there are even some
3: blinds in here. I'm looking at the lyrics where like, I didn't know what she was singing. I had a lot okay. of misheard. I get a lot of misheard lyrics with Kate, and I know oh, a lot yeah. of it's just sometimes the way she says things, and also my own hearing problem. I only hear forty percent in my left ear, so I do the best I can. Uh,
2: but like mm-hmm. um,
3: the part when after she says "Let me be weak, let me sleep and dream of sheep," and then there's a little piano interlude, and then she says, "Oh, I'll wake up." I had mm. no idea she was saying to any sound of engines. I have no idea. what Had I can't remember what I thought she was saying there i thought it was actually the first part was oh i'll be i'll be gone to any sound event it or something like that i think my I-, I can that.
0: yeah yeah and then like I mean-
3: ever i thought it was everyone a seeking craft i didn't realize it was every gull a seeking craft <laughs>
0: I see. Yes. And I, I can totally understand. It. Because when you do listen to her, I mean, definitely she's somebody you have to read um, at a certain point. Like You have to read those lyric sheets. And thank goodness she put them out. And it wasn't like a Cocteau Twins song. Oh, God.
3: Yeah. You're like, are you even singing in English, ma'am? <laughs>
0: Peanut butter, peanut butter. That's, <laughs> the things you could make up to a, a Cocto Twin song. And I, I used to do that a lot too with Kate Bush. There's still, it's so funny that we're talking about misheard Kate Bush lyrics because for some reason, even though I've met, read the lyrics so many times to the song Ariel, I still, when she sings it and I don't have the lyrics in front of me, I don't know what she's singing. Like there's something in there about Maybe it's a line about the wine, Little Runners. I I don't know what it is, but she says something in there, and I I keep thinking, like, Keith, you should know by now. You should keep it in your mind, because this is one of your all-time favorite Kate Bush songs, and you're really, you know, you should know what she's singing there, but I just can't hear it for some reason when she sings it. And then I read the lyrics, and I go, oh, yeah, of course. It makes so much sense. I can totally hear it now. But, yeah, I, I have the same. And sometimes that's the beauty, too, of it is, you can listen to it and get your, hear it the way you want to hear it or hear your own version of it. And that's fine, too. And it adds a whole other layer. Um, and I, I'm going to have to do that. Now that you brought that up, I think it's time for me to go back because I really haven't listened to the album, the album um, Ninth Way for a long time, all the way through, and just see what I Get right and see what's just me filling in with my own kind of my own imagination. Have you heard these songs in the remasters?
3: I have not. Yeah. I don't own the remasters because frankly, I already have the albums. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still with Hounds of Love, I still have my one dollar used copy that I think might have been one of the first CD pressings because the side of the CD is like this thick.
4: Mm-hmm. It's a lot thicker say, yeah, than
3: yeah. The more, if I get any CDs, which I usually don't anymore, eh, welcome to 2019. But I have not heard the remasters because I already have the album, so I figure, well, I don't need the remasters.
0: I kind of, I'm with you. I've done the same thing. I don't. Well, I, I take that back. I did do have what remasters I could get from Apple. Um, on iTunes, which is not a lot. I mean, it's, it's, and at a certain point, I realized like, why do I, why am I doing this? And I don't fault her um, for putting them out and doing that. And what so many fans have wanted and Mm -hmm. so many people needed to do, but I just don't feel like I need to. And even today, this morning, um, I was listening, like I said, and I didn't even listen to, um, and dream of sheep, on you know, through a, a, Compute like do an MP3 or go to the album. I just listen to the YouTube YouTube on my good headphones that I have my Bose headphones and I I guess I don't I haven't yet found I'm not an audiophile and I have somewhat of a hearing loss too in one of my ears and so I just feel I felt a little bit like I'm, I'm. I, the beauty's there. I don't know what more I can get out of it in a way, which that might sound a bit like a Luddite. I don't know, but I hope that doesn't sound too awful. But um, it's just, it's the beauty's there and I hear it and I hear it however I need to hear it. And it's kind of like, I have a lot of birds in the backyard and they the way they sing. And one of the great joys I have is just putting on um, a sky of honey and having the windows open and letting everything just blend together um, as they will and whether I get the lyrics right or not is, you know, how it goes down. But um, yeah, I think this is going to be an, an exercise I'm going to do is just re-listen to a lot of people and not read the lyrics or overthink it and so on. Now, I have to say, I'm going to be the, the heretic. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we've talked before. Like, I, I saw the show mm-hmm. live.
3: And I was going to uh, poke you about that because you actually went okay. to see it, and I yes. didn't get to, but.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully there'll be another I one. I hope you so. You know, and um, this was, I, I I I was not, of the three sections of the show, the first, this. Uh, the six live songs, then the ninth wave, and then the uh, Unle- or Sky of Honey. This The ninth wave was my least favorite part. And yeah, I felt, I loved it, but I felt as if like over so many years, for so long I had been imagining this and thinking about it and reading her views on it, that when I finally saw it, it just, and I remember people saying there were some negative comments made at the time in the press and stuff by certain critics. It was not, of course, prevailing, but some people said, oh, there was some amdram in there. And I kind of felt like the ninth wave was a bit of amdram. And, you know, it was just a little too um, literal, literal of an interpretation, even though it was highly, you um, you know, highly uh, dreamlike and so on. It was still quite literal to me, a little too literal. Mm -hmm. Um, And when she was singing this song, it, it was very emotional, of course. It was very touching, but it just doesn't resonate with me, the live version, as much as the original album studio version. And I think some of the things, too, like you don't get the, I don't think in the live, her mother's voice comes in as it does in the original, um, there are other things that come in though that you don't have in the original, like the the the, chat, the teeth chattering, the cold. Mm-hmm. You know, you really get that level of okay, we're not in the studio really here. Um, you know, we don't have all these voices coming in and different things like that. Um, so on that level, I really appreciated it, and I think also. I probably, in my mind, am still stuck in the 80s a bit or the <laughs> 90s. And I kind of wanted that song done in a more magical, like I wanted to see poppies billowing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I wanted a bit of Dorothy sleeping in the poppies and the Wizard of Oz, you know, and instead it was just Kate floating in the water and looking up you know, hoping something, which again is brilliant. I can't fault her. It's all, and everything I'm saying is more me. It was my coming to it with so much baggage from so long that I just couldn't um, embrace it as much as I wanted to. Now, what was interesting, what I really loved, it was really incredible how things developed in the show because you had her in the first part, the last song was King of the Mountain and that was like you've and you've heard the the live album and everything and the version of that when live in the theater was just like oh my gosh something's coming it was like she was really conjuring up the elements something's coming something's coming something's coming and then all of a sudden there was just this explosion and all these this confetti came down and it was all these little pieces of paper that had wave after wave mm. printed out. We're all scrambling to pick the <laughs> up you know to get as many as we could. And then um it went into the uh astronomer, this little movie about this astronomer talking about how he's out looking or he's he was, you know, looking out with his telescope and he sees this distress signal and you know? all and that even I felt was a little bit um I don't know it wasn't quite sometimes i wonder about kate's work with the film medium like she does get a little too literal for me at times and it's i'm surprised i'm saying that somebody slapped me right now um but this is a very literal and and i don't think it was as set up as nice as like as i wanted again still beautiful though Mm -hmm. i think you can't deny that and um I think, did I get anything more out of the song seeing it live? No, not really. Um, great to see. And I, I think one of the unfortunate things too is that was one of those songs or parts of the show where there had been some leaking going on before the show and reading articles about how she filmed that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so it was a little bit like, okay, I think I've been there and I already know something. And if I hadn't known, that might've been, a real might have made quite a bit of a difference, but still, I can't complain. I mean, I, 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 I think I'm still even just talking to you still trying to work it out, especially after a couple of years. Um, And, you know, with some distance, but listening back to that original song, it's just like, Oh my gosh, that, the youth and the youth coming out of it. And it's very interesting too, I think to see to take the ninth wave and you're projecting more of a young person mm-hmm. initially and then later in the live show it's a mature woman mm-hmm. uh, it adds this whole other dynamic to it like oh my gosh how how we handle things as children and or not children but youths and Than how we handle them when we're older. And the beauty, what I think is so extraordinary about the song, is it works at any age. What do you think in terms of the live? Okay, so the live. Differences and so on. Well,
3: the live version I noticed is in a different key. I haven't been able to figure out which key yet, but it's definitely a little (laughs) bit lower. But obviously, like,
0: (laughs) what's that? It's Kate's key that a man that I love that it's like it's a key none of us, it it might only exist with Kate's It could be, you know, it's a key of (laughs) Kate's.
3: But but actually, a lot of um, quite a bit of those songs from the live show Before the Dawn were transposed, I noticed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, Running Up That Hill was originally in C minor. But the live version, I picked it out. Because I'm listening, I'm going, okay, this sounds a little bit deeper. But obviously, because her voice has changed. It's been 30 plus years since that song was recorded. And it's in B minor. So it's down a whole step. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, I, I don't know. I haven't been able to figure out which key it's in. But it's definitely a little bit lower. Not that it goes really that high. It's not It's not one of her like really showy songs. sure sure. I like the live version Um, it's not one I listen to all the time I do like that you hear more of the chatter and I know that's because of how that video was recorded that it was her going okay I'm playing this character who's floating in really cold water can you mic me up so that I can sing this (laughs) in a cold tank and nearly getting hypothermia while doing it because she's Kate Bush she has to be literal um, but between the original version and the live version, I mean, the live version, it's her actually singing live, which is nice, yeah. even yeah. though at the time, like I, I, as I understand it, it was just a video they showed. It wasn't her actually singing. Yeah. Okay.
0: So. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, it was. And I, let me, so it was basically, there was this kind of, and I, if I'm remembering correctly, you saw this it really looked like a maelstrom on the screen. And it was like this, all this spinning of clouds and basically like a typhoon gathering. And then you went to the astronomer, the him calling into the like authorities saying, I see there's there's somebody out there, you've got to save them. And all of that. And he was, you know, very (laughs) Kim. And then it went off into Kate, um the little light i think and i think it went kind of like you just saw there was this beeping and the sound for quite a while like um almost like a heartbeat Mm -hmm. and then the camera or the the image and you just saw the light first and then slowly you could see her and the way it opened up and floating in the the blackness and there might have been a few things going on you're so focused on that, of course, and then you're so surprised when you see everything that's come on the stage that you, you know, that's the power of stagecraft that it just distracts you for a bit. That was about it. That was really, it. and I think that again, too. I like that way when I think about it now, the simplicity, and when you think about the simplicity of where she goes from that song when you go through the whole Ninth Wave on the album. And you know, it just gets so much more complex and crazy. And to your point, I like you used a term a bit ago. Um, it wasn't theatrical. You said something about when she goes way up. It was something to do with the, I think the, the high pitch, oh, like when she's singing at the higher key mm-hmm. or something. You said, I did. I, I can't said,
3: remember the word. I'm like,
0: dang it. Right. right. <laughs> You can go back and re-listen to this. Yes,
3: I probably will. I'll have to for editing.
0: (laughs) But um, for the most part, I remember thinking like, oh, again, it was very, I think it was a very um, very good way to start the the ninth wave on stage, which is simple and keep it a little bit um, secret. But she she did remove those certain elements that I think – Really, for me, make the song so poignant mm-hmm. um, on the album, on the Hounds of, on Hounds of Love, um, and you know, I, I think at the end though she did an incredible job. It was like just the right way to do it. Of course, it's the only way to do it because it's Kate Bush's way to mm-hmm. do it, and you just take that and you accept it and um, go with that.
2: Oh, I'll wake up to you
0: what I like about talking to you with you, Cecily is you always make me go back to that. And you make me, we do a little bit of overthinking when we get on, but then, I mean, we, you know, we're doing our research and we're remembering and we're going back, but then I get to a point where it's like, I don't know why I do that because I, and it's really, you know, I do it for this, but it's that emotional. And with this song, it is the emotional and that's all it needs to be. It's like, don't overthink it and just take your images. Though again, maybe that's what I'll end on here is having so many years of that. And when I saw it live on stage, it was just not where I was. Just not. I mean, that's where I would, I do wish sometimes she would put out the DVD of you know, the show. Mm-hmm. I think if I could watch it a couple more times, and the whole the whole suite, not just that one particular song, because you can see the video, but you don't see it in the context. And I think there were some things. You could definitely see things moving. And like there was a lot on the stage throughout different parts of the show. They did. the kinda, This is one of my, I think Kate's. She falls back on this. You know, she doesn't like to get out of her comfort zone too much. I and mean, in some of her old videos, like for the, the line across the, the curve. And stuff like that there's a lot of silk waving around in her old videos for and there was a lot of that going on on stage and you could start seeing the ocean rising because it was all and it worked really well i think there because it was a stage um but it was one of those things that i know kate likes she likes that billowing silk that's supposed to be water and i can remember that kind of happening toward the end of that song like the ocean was rising on the stage kind of thing and that totally was like oh there's something going on now we're we're getting deeper into it we're going in and i really like that but i wish the the dvd would come out mm-hmm. so that we could see it more and i could relive it because i might i probably have a very different take if i was exposed to it i only had that one night i i so, so many people saw it a couple of nights and i so envy them you know, like we all have our points of envy, don't we? Like there are the people who didn't see it and should have because they would have gotten so much out of it. And then there's those of us who did see it, but we only saw it once. And it's all, there was so much going on that you can't, you know, you want you want to be able to process it more like you can do the, mm. the, the audio work, but we just can't at this point. So, so I hope I did it some justice describing what was on stage. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it was very simple very simple to start it was that initial though that explode like, like and when all that confetti and everything started falling that was chilling i remember i was like had never been in anything like that you know and um didn't know that was coming so and to lead into that um was it was quite lovely so i'll leave it at that
3: cool yeah, it's quite an interesting uh, way to start the second side of the album. Like I also feel like kind of my last thoughts on this song is that given a lot of the the themes that Kate has dealt with up to this point, like you're you're using a lot of your imagination and that sometimes your imagination can be worse than what's actually happening in front of you. Yeah. especially, you know, the um, I can't be left to my imagination <laughs> that line there. Right, um, right. that I feel and and like this song is it's just it's a really pretty emotional song and I feel like it's a good way to start the second side and it's uh held a lot of little things for me because I I would listen to this going to and from my night classes and there was just something kind of comforting about it and you know I'm gonna have
0: yeah exactly comforting and here's the other thing and now you'll have to edit this because i said that was going to be my last thought but I got one more <laughs> it's <though>. okay <laughs> and it's because of kate's love of horror and her the horror movies that she references that i think is now that you just said something that made me I'm like oh my gosh how could i have forgotten that whole bit of the of leaving things to your imagination which was that device and she often talks about how she loved um loves the movie Night of the Demon Mm -hmm. references so often. And one of the great um, criticism, negative criticisms of that film, film being considered great, except the showing of the demon, which was a fight that the director had with the studio. Like he did not want to show the demon in that movie. He wanted to leave it to people's imaginations of what the demon looked like, just give hints of what it was, mm-hmm. um, which goes back to the horror films of Val Lewton, which I'm sure Kate has seen his whole canon of films, um, the whole like suggestion and leaving it there because it, it's 10 times more horrific than if you see it. If you put the demon in at the end, it's like, okay, that ruins. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about my own take on... The ninth wave it was like i had my whole other view of what the horrors were and then when i saw them on stage it some of them clicked some of them were like yes some of them weren't and you know i think again um hey sometimes kate needs to listen go outside herself a little bit sometimes
3: <laughs> no i mean i agree it's like sometimes something i've talked about with the uh, with zoe sometimes on the podcast like she'll zoe will say well like this would have been too literal i I think it was when we were talking about night of the swallow that Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. the one hand it would have been cool to have a video for that song because it is such a cinematic sort of song but that it probably would have been way too literal and i agree with that yeah we love kate but sometimes i agree with you like she needs to kind of let's make this a little more metaphorical or something.
0: Yeah, it doesn't need to be so obvious. It doesn't need to be, yeah, exactly, I agree. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, uh, and then sometimes when she does things like that are the way I feel she should do it, then I go like, oh, well, I wish it was more, <laughs> or I need more clues <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that didn't quite, I still don't know what, quite what's going on here, but um, yeah, anyway, that's another another story. Anyhow, well, I'm going to let you go, Cecily. Uh, It's brunch time here, and I have to go do some things for that. And it was delightful speaking with you, as always. Thank you for having me. And I can't wait to hear the podcast. So I hope you have a wonderful day.
3: Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of strange phenomena the music of kate bush well we've got one track down and we've got quite a few left to go here for the ninth wave portion of the season so join us next week for a discussion of the next track after in dream of sheep under ice we're gonna be really excited to talk about that song and just continuing into the ninth wave, we got quite a journey ahead of us, that's for sure. Now if you're listening and you wanna support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash Kate Bush Podcast. And you can see what kind of rewards I'm offering for your support of the show. The main show is always free, but you do get some extra goodies if you become a subscriber on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Bush podcast. You can also follow me at Strange Kate Cast and like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Bush podcast. See everybody next week for a discussion of Under Ice.